Hi, Nick Petrella here. This episode is sponsored by Volkwein's Music, a full-service shop that's been meeting the musical needs of musicians for over 135 years. They offer a huge selection of instruments, accessories, music, and more. They also have an unmatched instrument repair department with some of the most experienced technicians in the business. For years, they've serviced my personal and school instruments, and their attention to detail is why I and professional musicians from around the globe trust Volkwein's to service their gear. Head over to volkweinsmusic.com to see what they can do for you. That's V-O-L-K-W-E-I-N-S music.com. Helping people discover music since 1888. Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hello, Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. We're really happy to have Mario Grigorov on the podcast today. He's a Bulgarian-born, London-based film composer and pianist. Early in his career, he signed with Warner Brothers Records and toured extensively with icons such as Wynton Marsalis, Roy Hargrove, Joshua Redman, and more. He's composed music for dozens of films and TV shows, and his most recognizable film work comes from his long-standing collaboration with Academy Award-winning director Lee Daniels. We'll link to Mario's website in the show notes so you can see and hear the music he's created and check out art from his other artistic pursuits, simultaneous two-handed symmetrical drawings. Thanks for being with us, Mario. Thank you for having me. You have a fascinating story. Your parents were professional musicians. You're a musical prodigy from the age of five who went on to study in Tehran, Vienna, Berlin, and Sydney. How were you able to do all that from such a young age? Uh, well, what's interesting is that recently in the UK, uh, I got my mother, who lives in Sydney, Australia, to send uh, my my dad's manuscript, who passed away uh, quite a while back. And um, uh, I knew that he had some manuscripts, but uh, I found out that um, he actually has tons and tons of compositions that he wrote both for piano and trumpet. He was a trumpeter, but also for some small ensembles and other instruments, such as French horn and clarinets. Um, And I think... Um, I kind of discovered that I might have had the composing talent uh, to be able to improvise and and to be able to compose in that order from um, from my from my father. Uh, my mother is a concert was uh, still is alive, but she was a concert pianist. But she teaches now in Sydney, and uh, she also is quite musical. But my father really had kind of a real talent uh, for composing. I, I was very excited to go through his manuscript and read some of his music. So I, I think um, 
Other than that, at the age of probably five, I remember uh, starting on the piano. Um, we, we, had a, we had a piano in Sofia. We had an upright piano in the apartment in Sofia. And I think the inst- having had an instrument in the room, obviously because my mom and dad were musicians, uh, I think was a huge, um, a huge part of uh, of uh, my development as a as a as a composer and as a pianist and as a musician. So having the piano there and, and remembering at five really uh, be able to improvise and listen to the radio and copy tunes and started to experiment with the blue scale out of all scales. I have no idea why <laughs> the blue scale. I guess because of the pop music that came through the radio, and and mm, even though we did listen to a lot of ethnic Bulgarian folk music, you know, remember in ninety uh, sixty eight or sixty seven sixty eight, I think Bulgaria was communist, so um, yeah. there was some pop music at least from artists such as Lili Ivanova and who knows uh, who else who would have kind of copied a little bit the Western music and. No idea. I, I later, you know, in uh, in uh, East Germany, I, I heard uh, Stevie Wonder and and uh, uh, Oscar Peterson, people like that. But back at those times in Bulgaria, I, I remember distinctly having that talent to be able just to to make up things on the piano. And I think this was the beginning. Yeah. Now, did your parents move with you? Were they performing at the time, or did you study on your own with like a like a boarding school? No, they were always uh, with me, uh, except that um, I spent uh, when when we uh, migrated to Iran in '68. Uh, I think uh, they sent me back to the grandparents uh, for for a couple of years because um, they wanted me to start in a Bulgarian school because they they really wanted to get back to to Bulgaria. They they had no plans to to stay in Iran. Um, so there was time when I was uh, by myself. Uh, without them, with uh, living with the grandparents, but in the in the apartment uh, where my grandparents lived, w- there was also an upright piano, mm. and it was actually a very good instrument, and it was in tune. And uh, I remember my grandmother taking me to piano lessons at the conservatorium, uh, where I uh, already was kind of uh, known and and accepted as as a student there. So you went on to study music um, formally through through a university, through college. Did you get a degree in music performance or anything like that? Yes, I did. I I did. Uh, I, I went to uh, uh, well w- when I when I was in Iran and went back to Iran uh, between sixty eight and seventy three. I uh, my mother was my my teacher, okay. my piano teacher. She she was terrible teacher. She was very impatient with me and. <laughs> Uh, and the 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 the, uh, the any moment she got to kind of you know send me off to us te- to another teacher she took and so yeah. when we moved to to Germany then after Iran she I I studied uh, uh, church organ and piano with uh, with some uh, very good mus- uh, you know uh, teachers there and then from then on in Australia I went to, uh, to I was in a Vienna conservatorium after that. For, for about a couple of years after after Germany, and then we migrated to Australia, to Sydney, Australia, uh, where um, uh, I got accepted at the um, Conservatorium High School. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So f- from there on, I did uh, 
high school and then I did uh, uh, jazz uh, study and I got Bachelor of Jazz and uh, composition okay. basically in, in, from, from the Sydney, uh, Sydney Conservatorium of Music in, in New South Wales. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, to be fair, you know, my, my wife and I are both musicians and I, I think our children would say the same thing. But, you know, your, your mom probably expected more from you. Um, when she was teaching you, <laughs> <laughs> um, not quite sure to be honest. I, I'm not. I'm not sure their expectations uh, from me. But uh, I think my dad sometimes would want me to compose pieces, and he promised me to to, to give me money for for that. <laughs> I think my mother was more kind of uh, convoluted in terms of. Uh, what um, you know, she in Bulgaria. She knew the best uh, when we be- went back to Bulgaria after Iran. Between G- Germany, uh, there was a period of two years, and I studied with with a well-known, probably the most well-known Bulgarian uh, concert pianist, Milena Molova. She's uh, won many awards in uh, in Moscow, and all. She's an amazing pianist, and so she, I studied with her. So yes, my mother. Put uh, was pushing me in a, in a way that uh, for for she pushed me to to kind of push myself and was frustrated probably because she wanted more out of my my uh, you know especially yeah. with the with the classical piano and I I kind of always suffer from dyslexia a little bit so my side reading wasn't great and I think that stopped me from really kind of excelling in in uh, in learning a lot of material fast however. Uh, then I relied on my ear a lot, so I developed a very good ear to to and and a memory to to be able to learn the pieces fast and and then that's where also the improvisation came in. Uh, there's many times in uh, in school performances if I forget uh, the what I was playing, uh, I would just improvise half of half of it and then go back to the piece and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that wasn't received very well, and to the point of where I was. Uh, later in some performances I stopped doing that because I you know unfortunately the teachers and you know didn't like that <laughs> idea of being kind of free flowing right that's not how that's not how God intended those classical pieces to be performed no that's right. exactly that, right <laughs> so so jazz studies was was a really good fit for for you in, in terms of pursuing a degree in co- and composition, I suppose, yeah. Well, funnily enough, I found jazz also to be very kind of contrived, controlling, and because in the in the uh, academic circles, jazz uh, it's it also become like an academic su- academic subject. Sure. You know, it's it's uh, so. Mm, yeah, I think <laughs> I think I I I found a similar uh, kind of because it wasn't improvising or, or playing the certain scales or whatever melodic patterns or uh. harmonic. Patterns that that Bob Pout would have played, right. or you know, yeah, yeah. Billy. Uh, I mean, uh, whoever. There's so many pianists that that kind of set a very uh, strong foundation sure. uh, for for a good reason. You know, uh, it's very important. The foundation is important. So sure. And so earlier, and it sounds like you, your whole life you're surrounded by music, and you're performing music, you're playing music. Your parents are uh, immersed in music. Um, was there ever a point where you said maybe I want to be an architect or something like something else? Well, um, at one point, no. But at one point, I uh, uh, in Sofia, I dabbled with percussion. I said to my dad, I want to actually 
uh, do percussion and be a drummer and be a kind of orchestral percussion. I really like the vibraphone and the uh, the xylophone. I, I actually had one at home. Uh, and then he connected me with Dobri uh, Paliev, who is like uh, was the, the the professor of conservatorium in Sofia, and I did uh, one or two years of percussion, okay. which later really helped me with my with my uh, kind of honky tonish piano uh, in seven eight nine eight eleven eight and the crossover <laughs> between multi kind of uh, you know doing paradiddles on the keys with using my fingers almost kind of like an Indian uh, tabla player. But uh, so that, that this year's, two years of percussion really helped me that. And I always had very good rhythm. So the only other thing than being a pianist uh, was a percussionist. But then later I realized composition was, uh, yeah, important. So that's kind of where I went. But no, <laughs> I was never going to be a cook. <laughs> no. And Andy, I did not know he was a percussionist. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, know, you know Nick's a percussionist, so... No, he's, I didn't yeah, know. We, yeah, we, we have percussionists on. See? Oh, so I fantastic. Great. Anyway, so for our younger listeners who may want to get into composing for TV and film, what was it like when you started, and was it and is it difficult to break into that field? Um. Wow. Um, so, uh, I guess I guess two things uh, possibly um, really important is uh, it, it is extremely hard for, for many reasons. Um, but I I kind of think the 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 two things probably would be that the first thing would be to become. Uh, to work very hard to become very good at your instrument and at your craft in terms of your creative uh, outlet, um, and um, and I think I think then I guess the second the second thing would be to 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 understand um, how important it is. Uh, as a musician, to be also uh, a business person or entrepreneur in that sense, and the importance of that, I think um, it's hard to kind of um, teach that. I don't know why academia is not more preoccupied with that. I mean, there everything that applies to get a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever should apply to getting a job. Uh, you have to work on yourself. You ca- you have to be humble. You have to figure out. Uh, to, to, to meet the right people, you've got to really understand um, how uh, the importance of you being a, a social person and what that means. You've got to really work on your social skills. You've got to learn to, to really kind of quieten down and really, that's what I used to do and just really think when, when I get rejected for a job, I, I'd really kind of say to myself, you know, things could be a lot worse, but what can I learn from this? I take it on board mm. to to really self-reflect. Yeah. yeah, that's really mature. Were you always that way? Um, was I always that way? Um, Reflecting on a rejection. I think, I think my, my, my wife, after 20 years of marriage, she kind of molded me into self-reflection. <laughs> <laughs> so or, it's or self-preservation the, is what you're saying. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Go think about go think about what you've done. Yeah, right. we'll make sure she doesn't and, uh, hear this podcast. 
Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> um, and and I think I think then um, I I think um, th- there is many ways to 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 become professional. I mean, I I'd, I'd recommend really books f- uh, for. Um, to to de- uh, for developing uh, better work ethics, like to to kind of anything you can get hands on for you to kind of figure out what your work ethic as a as a professional uh, artist should be to to learn that. Um, the one I read was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That's kind of and a good example. Mm-hmm. Uh, that book is great because it just uh, in a very simple way, it kind of without having to go into um, you know, in the, the rabbit hole of, of self-evaluation, you can actually pick up some techniques to kind of help you uh, understand. Because, you know, everybody is different. And sometimes shy uh, people and uh, introverts uh, uh, make make uh, great connections and have huge careers. And it's not true that you have to be this outgoing person. It's, it's just understanding how you are perceived from others. So uh, who who you know and what you know, it's important. Who you know, it's very important, uh, but it's not everything. Um, so uh, for, 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 for up-and-coming composer or a creative person, uh, uh, just um, learn learn to, uh, you know, just, just learn to... Um, to gain some kind of confidence to start releasing material and start producing stuff, be a producer of your craft, and then put it out. Today's wonderful. We live in a wonderful time where you can uh, you can actually um, uh, put stuff out on social media. I mean, th- I never had that opportunity when I was growing up. So for me, the social media was actually having to hop on a plane and and go to leave Australia and go to 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 LA to 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 meet people that was my social media and then being in the piano store um and and for Bob James to walk in uh, and hear wow. me play the piano and then signing me to Warner Brothers so that uh, me playing at the piano store was a uh, was uh, was my uh, youtube video <laughs> uh really diff- different times you know um uh, I think a lot of the opportunities I had as a, as a uh, composer and other composers have had um, better and other more opportunities, whatever. But for me personally, uh, um, I went to when we went when we landed in Australia. Uh, that was such a great place for for opportunity because there's so few composers and it was so in the eight. I was mm-hmm. there between 1980 and 1992, and I first met uh, there the people I met is Peter Cobin, uh, who later became uh, twenty years the head engineer at Abbey Road Studios, who then introduced mm-hmm. me to David Yates, and then I ended up writing with. J.K. Rowling's for Fantastic Beasts, thanks to Peter Cobin, who I met in Australia, right? So <laughs> then I met David Droger, who's now the CEO of uh, Essential Song, the, the biggest uh, advertising agency in the world. So I did my very first advertising job for David Droger. He introduced me to so many people, and after that, I, I had a very successful career in New, in New York, thanks to him uh, as a, as a uh, com- uh, composer for advertising. Uh, we ended up buying houses in the Hamptons, two apartments in in Soho. I mean, I r- really had an amazing 10, 15, you know, 10 years of, of making very good money and being very 
happy as a, as a composer. I did albums on the side, you know. Uh, advertising is very tough, nothing to, to be laughed at, but um, but uh, really uh, enjoyed. Uh, and and so, so, again, in Australia, I met this one person who then introduced me to other people that I ended up in New York doing advertising. Um, and... Uh, and then in Australia, also met uh, uh, Larry Mahoborek's uh, son, uh, uh, Jamie Mahoborek, who uh, is a, uh, you know, he, he produced uh, with Trevor Horn, he produced all the album for Seal, and he's actually Trevor Horn's right hand man. He's an incredible programmer. And he, he told me in Australia, you know, you got to get out of here, come to LA and. Uh, and so this was a huge opportunity. And in LA, I um, and I met Miles Goodman, the uh, film composer, who then introduced me to uh, other people. So this this connection happened through just meeting one person, uh, who you know you, you just need to meet two, or three, or four people in your life to maybe one person who to open doors. You don't need to meet twenty, thirty people. However, here's the really, really big thing. You've got to be very good at that point when you meet that person. You've got to have something unique. You know, I remember Miles Goodman crashing his car in Australia and uh, reaching out and asking to his seminar. He was giving like a, he was giving a talk and uh, asking, so who, who can, can anyone drive me? And I really wanted to drive him so I, because I had a cassette player in a car and I played in my piano compositions that I recorded uh, and he was so fascinated and uh, by them that he then invited me to come to LA. Next thing, his agent, uh, uh, Lynn Benjamin, who uh, was Richard Kraft's uh, uh, partner, uh, offered me the movie Babe to do the score. And I wow. rejected it because I was going to be a concert pianist. And uh, so I said no, because <laughs> at that point I was signed to Warner Brothers. So sure. these this connections happened because I had I had something to offer. I was I really had unique uh, way of playing the piano and unique compositions. And I had a cassette player in the car and I played them to that person who then opened other doors. So th- this is, uh, uh, you know, Jacob um, Collier's success story. If, he, if, yeah. he, if Jacob didn't put those videos out, he probably wouldn't be where he is at today. He decided to do this music and put it out. So this is... This is what I mean by actually doing the work and and putting and and being and working hard to create uh, your you know content and to to kind of do something creatively and and I think that's a very spiritual journey and it's very important for young people to to realize that instead of kind of losing interest and procrastinating and and finding it difficult because uh, so many other people are doing it and whatever excuse one can have and give. And sometimes you miss out on your own talents because of it, because it's not so clear how and where. There's a event, uh, um, tendencies to um, intellectual, intellectual, uh, intellectual um, uh, what is the word? Um, um, Actualizing tendencies is that the word? Uh, just, just, just the the feeling of wanting to 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 go forward and to this this passion for progress sure. and to do mm-hmm. to to kind of ambition that one has. But we have so many as a young person, you have so many kind of blocks sometimes, and you've got to 
people kind of don't listen to them and just, you know, you got to be humble and just do one step at a time and right. say, you know, I'll, I'll do this today. And I think that probably is a good advice for, for young yeah. composers or artists, musicians. That's great. So getting into sort of the, the technical aspects of what you do in composition, um, can you tell us a little bit about your workflow? Do you work in a digital environment? Or are you sitting at a piano transcribing uh, your compositions? How, what's that look like for you? It really depends on the job. I mean, I, I, um, uh, I started with electronic music in the 80s in Australia because they had the Fairlight, the very first Fairlight, or the second one. The first one, I think, Stevie Wonder bought. Mm-hmm. And the second one was at the, at the, at the uh, New South Wales Conservatorium. And I remember spending a lot of time kind of learning it. Oh, wow. And then later I bought uh, PPG Wave, Dromulator, Chroma Rhodes, uh, many scenes. Then when I went to New York, I ended up uh, having a Prophet 5, a Mini Mook, an Odyssey, Oberheim. I had all the, I had so many scenes uh, uh, during my, my lifetime. Uh, at the moment, I have a couple of scenes, uh, um, a small Moog and a and a Juno 60, and that's it. Everything else I do, on, uh, you know, with uh, in, inside the box, and uh, and I do have a piano. I just sold my piano in London. I'm about to buy a piano here in Berlin. Sure. So we're going to give a shout out to Danny Howard, who introduced us uh, earlier this year. She said she was doing some work for you, and it got me wondering when you realized you could farm out some tasks to free you up to concentrate more on your biggest value proposition, which is creating music. Uh, yes, uh, D- Danny, uh, she, she's quite amazing. She's very mature for her age, I think, uh, besides the fact that she's super bright and also very talented as a, as a composer. So she kind of, to me, has it all in terms of she's she, she's very proactive and very so. So what what happened with her? She she had this really big job for for to do the music for the Casabaya for the, uh, yeah. uh, you know, and what she did is she she f- got a group of people. She became the creative director of the project. She's mm. barely she was barely twenty five. Like how do you think of becoming a creative director at at so young? But she knew that that she needed to get other people to help her develop her end goal. And to, so, you know, in other businesses, you have directors and you have people who actually always reach out to other people to help them achieve their goals. But we as musicians sometimes forget that we can also do this. So uh, uh, I reversed the role and I used Danny Howard as an orchestrator for my, for my jobs because she's so brilliant. And and she she wants to orchestrate, and so we we work together. And so I have also uh, other composers. I work with probably about six or seven composers. They're all over the world. Most of them are in Berlin and England. And uh, uh, some of the composers, uh, like I've made the piano my instrument, and I dabble with synthesizers. I humbly should say that some of uh, my composers have made the, uh, the computer uh, their instrument and they're so outstanding with, the, with that instrument that I don't even know where to begin. And it's very humbling uh, for someone who grew up with uh, intense classical and jazz, who, someone who has intense classical and jazz background to see, to meet people and really open-mindedly 
accept and understand that other people can be uh, obsessed with with the computer and make the computer an instrument to the degree of where it so leaves me behind what they do and how they do it that I don't even know where to begin. Sometimes I can touch a little bit, you know, if you give me a song, I can copy it, say, a radio-friendly tune. I can copy a radio-friendly tune. But to actually be in that field and create radio-friendly music, uh, when I mean radio, I mean pop pop music, Mm -hmm. should be more specific here. (laughs) Um, I'd really have to say I don't know how to to do that. So this this is why it's important that I collaborate with people that are much better at me. Uh, than me, they're much better than me at that, and and therefore, I get to achieve uh, greater things. I'm extremely versatile because of it. You know, I copied uh, the Hans Zimmer business model here. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you the word humility keeps coming up in the conversation. And had you or are you not humble? If you're not, if you don't have humility, you're not going to acknowledge that you need assistance. Right, good point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that also it's a work in progress, isn't it? Always, um, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, when it comes to recording, uh, mixing, mastering the scores, the compositions that you've created for te- TV and film, are you involved in the recording, mixing, mastering process, or do you just say, "Here it is," and hand it off? Well, uh, I'm not really a control freak when it comes to kind of overseeing everything and that is not a good thing i actually have become a lot more aware that i really when it's my project i need to really see it from a to z very very important so uh although i do trust uh uh, uh engineers I, I have worked with some amazing engineers such as peter Covin, who is a genius and then olga fitzroy who did all the uh stuff for who's that group that wrote the song yellow uh, with Chris, Cold, um, Coldplay, Coldplay. She she mixes for Coldplay, and uh, she's kind of also one of the head engineers at Air Studios in London. Um, who else? I've I've worked with uh, Fritz. Um, forget his name. Incredible uh, engineer in uh, in from Bremen, from Germany. Who uh, is actually um, the name escapes me. Uh, who does a lot of the Sony classical recordings, and he kind of has a remote uh, gear, and he comes and does uh, the remote uh, stuff. But um, I recently recommended him for I recently recommended him for a job, uh, but he he just blew me away because he does this. Uh, he goes to all the churches in Germany, and he he gets these small groups of musicians, and he records them for Sony classical for Deutsche Grammophon. For, for the Keith Jarrett label. I mean, mm. in, in, insanely, and he used to be a bass player in, a, in orchestra. So, that makes sense. So when I work with people like that, I, I, I have to really, as, as good as engineer I am, I have to surrender to, to, to people mm-hmm. who really know a lot more than me. But I, in the end, you'd be surprised how much I change, not just volume. I really go through some stuff because... When I want something musically, it's not necessarily what uh, what other you know. I mean, uh, what other um, uh, people who are involved with your music necessarily 
uh, the, the idea is a bit different. And mm-hmm. and one of the big secrets for Arvo Paird was that he was actually an engineer. You know, he worked in the fifties mm. in the radio station. I think in uh, uh, from from the town that he grew up in. He was in the Slovenia's uh, main engineer for the radio station. So his engineering background allows him to not only create beautiful ambient music, but to to the way that music sounds. Right. Mm-hmm. So very important to 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 kind of get collaborations. Yeah, sure. If you can't do it all yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and when you when you think of the name, if you just email us, we'll we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. Mm-hmm.